Green Eggs and Horror content warning. Stories may contain adult language, adult situations, violence, and awesome. If you can't handle any of these things I just listed, I'd turn it off now. I'm Pete Nixon, and this is Green Eggs and Horror. Today's story is our second story from Davin Greed. Green Eggs and Horror would not have been possible in its current form without him. He's done the music for each episode and story so far, and he's done an amazing job, which is even more impressive than you might think because he's half-robot on his father's side. Today's story is all about the horrors of war. The foreign lands filled with enemy combatants, the bullets, the mortars, the explosions, the gurgle asks, But you know how war is. And now, our story. Try it. You'll like it. The Beast in the Jungle of Nam, written in red by Davin Greed. Flies swarmed the medic tent in a small U.S. military base in Vietnam. Several injured men lay in net-covered beds, several of the men with blood-soaked bandages where their limbs used to be. Most had bandages on their heads, some of them covering the head entirely. In one bed lay a man with no injuries, unmoving, even when the flies landed on his face. Is this the one? An officer dressed up in navy dress garb asked as he walked up to the bed with the apparently uninjured man. Yeah, that's him. The doctor is busy looking into the empty eye socket of a man who had stepped on a mine. Even though he was sure who the officer was talking about, He looked up to make sure the officer was looking at the right patient, and added, He was found alive. The only one found alive from some massacre deep in the jungle. He don't speak much, except in silly riddles. Maybe I can help with that. At the very least, I'm hoping to get something useful out of him. The officer took his hat off and placed it at the foot of the bed. He pulled out a notebook, flipped it open, and pulled out a pencil and started writing. Hello? Private Wilson? I'm Commander Arnold Reynolds. I've been ordered to debrief you for your last assignment. The man in the bed looked towards the officer, then said in a low and gravelly but sing-song voice, Deep in the jungles past the laughing dong, troops searched for a base of the Viet Cong. It wasn't their first mission for a base to be found, but things were much different for them this time around. He always talks like that the doctor said as he started bandaging the soldier's head he had been examining. Some of it kind of makes sense. Some of us just crazy. Yes, Commander Reynolds continued. Your mission was to find a Viet Cong base. Did you find it? After days in the jungle, the men were all tiring until they came upon a village that seemed quite inviting, Private Wilson said as he started looking about, his eyes following unseen things. We questioned the natives about the hidden base. For hours and hours it seemed like a waste. Until you must go, a villager said, or the Gurgalask will come for your head. 
A warning, not a threat, and it didn't end there. It will click and it will clack, leaving your bones bare. This Gurgalask? Was that the Viet Cong or their base? The Gurgalask are beasts that are hard to describe, but one thing to be sure of, they left no one alive. But did you find it? Commander Reynolds lost his composure. The rhyming and sing-song voice was getting to him. He took another deep breath before trying again. Did you find the base? It seemed obvious that Private Wilson couldn't focus on reality. His eyes kept watching and focusing on things that weren't there, and things that were far outside the tent. The soldiers, they argued about what the stories meant. Some said that natives knew where the Viet Cong went. Some soldiers said it weren't nothing at all. A few of them were scared of a Gurgalask mall. The troops argued and argued all about that damned place, till the three Chevron soldiers said to contact home base. Damn it, man! Commander Reynolds lost it again. It was frustrating dealing with inane babbling. Commander Reynolds built a reputation on helping many shell-shocked soldiers to at least provide some useful intelligence, but never had he seen anyone this bad. I need you to focus. Did you find out where the base was? In the middle of the night, when the moon was hung low, I saw a soldier take the fire machine a tow. He was quite a little sneak, but I heard him still. At first I wasn't sure what I saw was real. Where are you going? I asked in a low whisper. I'm going to make them talk, he answered and sneered. Every father, mother, brother, and sister. Private Wilson's eyes went wide as he stopped moving his head, no longer looked about, and just stared up into the tent ceiling. Half a minute went by in silence. Flies landed on Commander Reynolds, but he was too focused on Private Wilson to swat them away. Gunfire and explosions broke the silence, causing Commander Reynolds to jump with a start. About two miles away, the doctor said, as if answering a question that was going to be asked. Commander Reynolds' heart kept racing faster and faster. His head started feeling light, so he grabbed the bed for support just in case it got worse. Whoa, the doctor said. Take it easy. Breathe. Never been on the front lines before? No, Doc. This is my first time off the boat. <laughs> you Navy boys are so pampered. Reynolds closed his eyes, took a breath, and stood straight up. It seemed apparent to him that Private Wilson wasn't going to be able to cooperate until he finished the story, so Commander Reynolds made the choice to try and get him through it. What did you do about the soldier with the flamethrower? I knew it was bad, but what could be done? He had two chevrons and I only one. But there was one here with more chevrons than he. So I went and snitched to the soldier with three. We woke all the rest and went off to the village. We all headed off through the trees in the forage. It was too late by the time we got to the shire. The two chevron men had set everything on fire. The fathers and the mothers and sisters and brothers lay burning on the ground, some still crying for others. The gunfire and explosions outside the medical tent seemed to be getting louder and louder. Commander Reynolds wrote down parts of the story he thought might be true. He hasn't even gotten to the crazy part yet, the doctor said from the other side of the tent. Commander Reynolds ignored the doctor and tried to get the story finished. Did you find him? We heard flames breathing from the middle of town, Private Wilson said, as if he might be aware of and answering the commander. And that is where the two chevroned man was found. That is when we heard the most horrible sound. A clicking and clacking from under the ground. The Gurgalask rose from under the two chevron man and took the poor soldier apart with his own bare hands. Hands made of mean claws, bigger than your chest. Face made of evil, a skull-looking mess. 
One by stunned one, we all opened fire. The beast then turned and rose even higher. It ran on large tendrils faster than quick. It got to our group in less than a tick. The battle outside that was once distant now sounded like it was right outside the tent. Commander Reynolds could hear some frantic radio calls, but couldn't make out more than emotions. He moved his hat over and sat down on the foot of Private Wilson's bed. Commander Reynolds was already scared and getting more so by the minute. He looked over to the doctor who seemed unbothered, though his heart was nearly beating out of his chest. It killed us with ease, that damned Gurgalask. Our weapons were weak, not up to the task. Private Wilson continued without being prompted. The squad started with nine, but now it was just five. Now we were sure no one would be left alive. The bullets we thought had no effect slowly and surely slowed down the beast yet. Just two of us left, and I with nothing to shoot, it attacked my last friend, so I used my own boot. Till it stopped moving and growling down in the suit. But I didn't stop there. I wasn't done in the least. I gathered every bullet and put it into the beast. Something exploded nearby, shaking dust from the tent ceiling. Several men outside started shouting and running. Then gunfire erupted that must have come from inside the camp. Just relax, the doctor said in a calm voice. These attacks normally don't last for very long. We'll get an airstrike in a few minutes and it'll all be over. I barely survived. We barely killed one. They warned of more. They're not even done. They warned that they leave no one left alive. So maybe I didn't or won't survive. He sometimes repeats that last part for hours. The doctor yelled over the gunfire and explosions. Then I'll have to wait to get him somewhere quieter and safer, Commander Reynolds yelled back. I was supposed to leave tomorrow, but do you know if there will be another transport today? Several whistles came overhead, like bullets coming close. Nothing came through the tent, but it still made Commander Reynolds duck. The doctor laughed at Commander Reynolds before answering, <laughs> Not likely! It's not like they tell me! Private Wilson kept repeating his last lines, sometimes quickly, sometimes screaming. Clicking and pinging sounds came from what seemed like below, almost mechanical like a tank. The noise was the only thing that seemed to make the doctor nervous. It was the only thing out of everything going on today that did. The doctor left the tent looking to see what was going on. After only a minute alone with Private Wilson, the floor erupted beneath the bed, knocking him, Commander Reynolds, and the bed to the ground. Commander Reynolds froze in fear, just staring at the beast that looked exactly as Private Wilson described. It came up all the way through the ground, focused only on Private Wilson. It picked him up in one claw and then went right back into the ground. The doctor returned to find a hole in the ground where Private Wilson once was, and the commander back in the corner grabbing his knees and babbling incoherently. The commander was on the next transport out, diagnosed with shell shock. He kept repeating Private Wilson's story over and over again. About the story. Davin Creed currently is and always will be heavily influenced by Dr. Seuss, Isaac Asimov, Edgar Allan Poe, H.P. Lovecraft, and his own nightmares. Davin writes mostly dark stories. If you like this story, Davin Creed has also been published in Bette Noir's Edgar Allan Poe-inspired anthology called In Poe's Shadow. Green Eggs and Horror is released under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, U.S. license. That means you can give it away and share it however you like, but don't take credit for it or sell it. Davin Creed wrote and produced the intro music, as well as the soundtrack for today's story. The outro music was written and produced by Heather Nixon. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in a physical copy or a digital copy, you can find Green Eggs and Horror on Amazon, Kindle, 
and on greeneggsandhorror.com.